It's the fastest two minutes in politics brought to you by Simona Imports. We start in Washington, D.C., where the commanders in chiefs, a.k.a. Joe Biden, said in a speech Wednesday that it may take weeks to know the results of next week's midterms. It also reminded us that our democracy is under threat if the Republicans take the House and Senate. Back, 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 Next, we move to San Francisco, where Elon Musk tells over 49% of Twitter staff, see ya, your jobs are going, going, gone. They could go all the way to the unemployment office. And finally, we move right down the street where MC hammered Paul Pelosi, apparently dialed 911 from the bathroom in his underwear. So police showed up knocking at his door. But then when they opened the door, tick, 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 David DePepe Le Pew said, it's hammer time, and struck him numerous times in front of the police. The story doesn't sound too legit, but the media is that are telling everyone to quit asking questions. Because remember, nobody, and I mean nobody, circles the wagons like the loony left. Joe and Mark, we send it back to you. That was the fastest two minutes in politics. And we thank you, Philip A. Flood, our Washington correspondent. I am the Podfather, and I am joined by Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi. You are listening to Thinking Logically, and welcome to the midterm special. Joe, what's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Just just getting ready for the last couple of days here. Uh, hopefully, we will get a result next Tuesday. We'll get into that a little bit later, but we are gonna uh, we're gonna give you a nice show with a lot of possible outcomes, predictions. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I've been waiting for this show uh, since we started the podcast in the summer. And uh, by the way, to everyone who reached out to me, uh, no, I am not wearing a retainer. And no, I did not develop a lisp. So I'm not sure how that happened. We'll blame it on the audio. Mark from the sound department. It's all your fault. <laughs> but we uh, let's get into it, Joe. I mean, we have a great episode planned. We're going to go through all of our predictions. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait for Tuesday. Um I have not looked forward to an election day like this in quite some time. So let's get into it. We have a couple things we want to talk about first. Before we get into race by race, state by state, we are not going to have a, an election night uh, special, as many of you asked us about. Uh, we are not going to do that. Uh, Truth Social does not allow anything like live like that, and Twitter does through their spaces format but we don't know who's going to win the election joe so we think what's the point of having anything live tuesday night you know around 10 30 11 o'clock what's the point We're it not could be just a waste of time yet. it could be a total waste of time so what we're going to do is we're going to jump in wednesday at some point and we are going to record uh the, our podcast our uh midterm election roundup probably the following day uh, so you guys got to have that Wednesday evening. But what is the message for Democrats, Joe? What message are they spreading 
Are they talking about the economy? Are they talking about inflation? Are they talking about crime? Are they talking about the border? Are they talking about high crime? Joe, what are they talking about? Well, remember, the, most, the two most important things, if you want to travel all the way in the Wayback Machine to June, I believe, was abortion. Republicans are going to outlaw abortion across all 50 states. That's their message. Is it true? No, because I believe all of the Republicans, at least running for governor, say they want to leave this up to the states to make the decision. Also, uh, a main point is election fraud and election denying and that kind of stuff that the Democrats have successfully painted the Republicans as being crazy right-wingers that don't think elections are, are fair. Um, that's what this is about. So according to the left, if you don't vote for them, you'll never be able to vote for them ever, ever again. Yeah. Is that, is that what their messaging is? Am I, am I close? Their messaging is, yeah, that's their messaging, uh, that if you don't vote for them, that you're, you're voting for a fascist um, dictator type of autocratic regime and that you won't have any rights and if, anything like that. That's These are the I'm same here. people, the same people that <laughs> mandated lots of things from, from, from vaccines so you couldn't open your business are saying that if they lose this election, that's when the real, real tyranny is going to start. I know one thing. I am excited not to see the commercials anymore because I'm tired of hearing the word radical on all these commercials. It's just everyone is just a radical. So I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, I mean, they, their, their messaging is abortion and election fraud. And I have not heard any Democrat talk about uh, Joe Biden, uh, the economic whatever is going on in the country. I mean, they have distanced themselves completely from that. And they just keep hammering home abortion. This country is, and there was a poll, I, I don't know how scientific this was, but it was like 80% of respondents said this country is out of control. And it is. It's completely out of control. You look at everything going on. And all this happened in just 20 months, Joe. 20 months. Everything was fine. You know, um, COVID notwithstanding. You know, people were looking forward to retiring. Their economy was great. Investment accounts way up. You want to go vote? You're going to go cast your ballot Tuesday? Go vote. Go vote how your, um, your savings accounts and your retirement accounts and your investments look. Because I guarantee you they're down at least 20%. Go vote on the border. Well, we don't have one. Our southern border. We don't have one. It's completely porous. We have fentanyl pouring in every day that's causing havoc in cities. We have human trafficking going on at a disgustingly high rate. But all they keep talking about is abortion. And they could, co they could, codify, they could codify Roe versus Wade right now if they wanted to, Joe. Why don't they do that? They have the votes in the House and they have the votes in the Senate. What are you going to run on then? They don't <laughs> want to. That's why. Did anyone listen to the Joe, uh, President Brandon speech the other night? What a, what a weird speech. Even the Democrats were slamming him for like, what do you... Uh, this didn't make any sense at all. At least there wasn't a red background this time. And yeah, stormtroopers. But, you know, these, these elections, they are not run by the federal government, guys. They are run by the states. And even 
distilling it down further than that, the county. So you're not going to know who wins Pennsylvania for at least a couple of days. They told you. They, they, they telegraphed this. Yeah. We, we said it first, but now, now even I think is it the acting secretary of state is saying it too. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Just we'll figure it out, guys. Yep. Florida has strengthened their mail-in voting in their state. And if Pennsylvania did this, I would be, I would be okay with it. I wouldn't be fine with it. I would be okay with it. But what Florida has done they allow for pre-canvassing. They count the votes as they come in before election night. So there's no mystery a week later. We need to really talk to representatives about this, Joe. If you're going to have mail-in voting, then you need to allow pre-canvassing. No more counting votes 3 a.m. Wednesday morning, 4 p.m. Thursday, and so on. In heavy Democratic areas like Philadelphia and big cities. That's what makes it worse. What, all, what Florida also does, Joe, is they release how many Republicans and Democrats have voted by mail and have voted in person early voting, which is something else they have, which I like. Talk about making election more accessible. In person early voting is wonderful. So they don't release how the votes shake out, obviously, but they do tell you. How many Republicans and how many Democrats have voted in person early and how many mail-in ballots have been submitted early? Once election night comes, everything gets counted all at the same time and you know who wins on election night. Why can't Pennsylvania do that? Because it's Pennsylvania, of course, right? So it's, it's so it's so it's nonsense. We actually, as, as citizens who pay taxes and and all this stuff, we should be able to see the results like vote for vote. Like yesterday there there was, there was the game between the Texans and the the Eagles. And I had uh, Damian Pierce on my fantasy team. And I looked, I said, how the hell does he have 16 points and no touchdowns? Because I would have got an alert if he got a touchdown. And I looked at the box score and everything was just right there. Every stat that he had, why we can't have that for our election, why it's so we can't know any of that done or it takes my, I have no idea. I can't figure it out. And no one cares. I don't know if we mentioned this last episode, but, you know, we said that if they don't, if they're not counting the votes on election night, it's because they don't want to. They got to know. They, listen, they, they probably need to access the voter rolls to see how many votes they need. And even if they would, that's what happened in Arizona. I don't think they were able to cheat. That's why they sat around, like I said, so many times for two or three days and didn't know what to do. And then they just announced Carrie Lake is the winner. Because yeah. they didn't have the vote. They, they couldn't. They, they couldn't find the votes. Yep. Speaking of Florida, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but they are predicting not just a red wave. By the way, in Florida, you do need to show a valid photo ID um, when, you, when, you, um, when you go to vote. I think when you actually, when you're voting early, which is just common sense. But we expect that from Florida because it's run by the best governor in the country in Ron DeSantis. But they are saying that Florida is not just going to be a red wave, Joe. It's going to be a historic tsunami of red throughout that state. 3.58 million registered voters have voted early overall in Florida. 44% have been Republican. 38% are Democrats. And in Miami-Dade County, which is the liberal of the liberal places in Florida, 
27% of GOP voters had voted by Wednesday compared to 21% of Democrats. If you need help understanding, for those listening, what this means, this is an unbelievable statistic. They are driving... The Hispanics have aligned themselves with the Republican Party in Florida like never before. And they represent 12% of Florida's vote. So the fact that you have more Republicans voting early in Miami-Dade County than Democrats and in the entire state. And then we know that Republicans show up on Election Day more than the Democrats do. It's going to be an absolute landslide in the great nation of Florida. So we look for Ron DeSantis to cruise the victory down there and um, Marco Rubio as well. So that will be, if Florida turns true red and not a purple state, it's going to be very, very difficult for Democrats to win the presidential election in 24, if you ask me. Because I don't think Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, and these other states that went Democrat last election are going Democrat again in 24. But long way to go. Um, Last night, Joe, we were talking about predictions talking about this episode, talking about predictions. You had texted me your map, your Senate map, 5347. And probably within an hour of you telling me that, I got a text message from, uh, we'll call him a political informant. I got, I'll read you a text message. I got straight from Newt Gingrich's mouth that there is polling to support 54 seats for Republicans which includes New Hampshire, in 40-plus seats in the House. This is coming from Newt Gingrich directly, former Speaker of the House. How many, what did he say? How many in the House? 40-plus seats in the House. Wow. A game of 40-plus. We'll we'll get to the predictions later, but I I looked at all of of the Senate races, every single one, and I don't see how it could be. I think we said in the very beginning of this podcast, I said 5248. And I, I said it would not be worth. I don't see how it could be any worse than 5347 right now. And it could go as high as 5545. Yeah. I, like Chuck, you cannot tell me Chuck Schumer is in danger of losing his Senate seat or, or anything like that. But there's the New Hampshire seat there. Is there one in Oregon, too? That's close. It's these all can't go for the Democrats. It would be. Impossible, especially when you look at the national average for Republicans. They're they're leading. It, right. It, 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 again, so, I, I, let's right. get into predictions. You're saying fifty three forty seven Republicans at worst. At worst. Okay. That's okay. that's if we have results on on election night or shortly after. Um, like what I fear is we're going to see another giant lead going into the latter hours of election night, and then. To get a final result, it's going to take days or weeks. What's going to happen with that final result, I don't know, but that's my—that's what I think is going to happen. Before so. we get into predictions, is there a race that you're looking at where we see somebody in the lead and then they make lose? They might lose. That would really set off like, wow, like how did that person lose? It's kind of a tough question because all these races are so very close. But is there a race that you're looking at where if someone were to lose, you would say, what? <laughs> Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be Dr. Oz. 
In the Senate, I, I would probably say. In the Senate, I would probably say maybe Ron Johnson if he lost to Mandela Barnes. Yeah, that that that's a good one. If you're if you're if if okay, if you have to pick a, I don't. If you have to pick someone outside of PA, that's a good one. But I just it's got to be after everything we've seen with Fetterman, and I, I hate to be the spoiler. Real quick on Fetterman, um, if he gets elected. I really wanted to see this through what it would look like on the Senate floor, all this stuff. But the more and more I thought about it, you're going to see two options. One, within a year of him being elected, he's going to step down for, and I'm doing air quotes here, health reasons. And you're going to get a new senator appointed, whether it be by Josh Shapiro or or something. Um, Or after he's elected, you're never going to see or hear from him again. He's going to be one of them senators like, uh, I guess, how Pat Toomey was. He's not going to be a Chuck Schumer where he's out making speeches all the time and you hear him. He will be in the background. How many senators do you really know and hear from? Not that many out of 100. So don't, don't get excited over Fetterman. Just that would be my shock, though. Oz losing would be jaw dropping, I think. Frightening. It would, it would be. It would be. Um, and we have some new polling that came out, uh, that came out today, actually. I texted you earlier. From Trafalgar again. Um, now, we saw some polling. We mentioned it last episode that showed Fetterman still in the lead. This is complete voters. This is complete suppression polls. I, I, I refuse to believe that, that Fetterman is in the lead right now. And what I'm about to read to you will, um, will confirm that. If the election for U.S. Senate were held today, who would, for whom would you vote? Uh, 47.7% said Dr. Mehmet Oz, 45.5% said John Fetterman, 3% other, 3.7% undefeated. This poll was conducted November 1st to November 3rd with 1,097 respondents. The margin of error is 2.9% with a 95% confidence. So Oz up 2.2% in Pennsylvania. That means that all the undecideds would have to go Fetterman's way. Are you really going to vote for John Fetterman if you're undecided? Please. No way. <laughs> we'll get to the polling with Doug Mastriano uh, and Josh Shapiro in a little bit. So let's go through our predictions, Joe. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Oz, John Fetterman. I mean, come on. You have- I, I gotta go, Oz. It's hard How not can... to go chalk on all these because I feel the momentum is really, it really is in the favor of the Republicans. Um, all right, so we're both going to go Oz, okay? Uh, and I will agree with you. I think Oz is going to win this. Um, I think that he wins probably by two to three points. Should be a lot larger margin of victory than that, but we'll take whatever we can get. I was telling you this yesterday, Joe. Oz is going to have to need, he's going to need a, what did I say? Like 800,000 vote lead when the polls close. Yep. Because we know that all the mail-on votes are going to come rolling in at 4 a.m., you know, in, in, in some polling place deep in, deep in the middle of Philadelphia. But you sent me something from Twitter that says that the Democrats are not show are not turning out or not ma- voting by mail as heavily so far in this election 
uh, as they have in the past. So whether they're not voting by mail, whether they're showing up to the polls, doubtful, whether they're just not enthused to vote in this election, who knows? But either way, if those numbers are correct, that's good for Oz. All right, so we're both going to go with Oz. Herschel Walker versus the incumbent Raphael Warnock. Okay, so this, I think they have this basically as 50-50, a toss-up. I could could see why, how Warnock could win. But when you look at Stacey Abrams and everything else and all the other polling, it's got to be Herschel Walker. I'm going to say Herschel Walker by one and a half points. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll break with you here and go. I'll break with you here and go Warnock. Okay. Tough to tough to unseat an incumbent. Um, so I'm just going to say for the sake of not going chalk, um, I'm going to take Warnock uh, by the slimmest of margins. Uh, in Ohio, Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, endorsed by CatholicVote.com versus Democrat Tim Ryan. Joe, this is this is the easiest one here. If 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 this is like a football like game, I would say you have to hammer JD Vance. Easiest easiest one. Take him minus whatever the spread is. I think he might win by double digits. He has been outspent by like stupid numbers by Tim Ryan. All kinds of money flooding in to Ohio in this race. Because I think they thought it was in play. This would be another another race, Joe, where if J.D. Vance lost, I would say, what the hell? Um, he should not lose this race. Outside of Cleveland and Cincinnati, Ohio is heavily, heavily red. Um, so I'm going to go J.D. Vance as well. Was so. he not polling like eight points ahead of him or something? Not at one point, I swear. Who, J.D. Vance ahead of Tim Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Now the vacant the seat is being vacated by retiring Republican Senator Rob Portman. Um, so I, I am Peter Till, your boy. Um, he donated fifteen million uh, to Super PAC Protect Ohio Values, which helped JD Vance. Um, so Tim Ryan has right now twenty one and a half million cash on hand as opposed to J.D. Vance only has $3.6 million. Um, but, yeah, no, we're, I, I'm going to say J.D. Vance wins this. Um, I think Ohio shows up for, for J.D. In Arizona, before we get to this one, Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly. Um, this just came out in the last 24, 48 hours. The Libertarian candidate, Joe, in Arizona, who was polling at like 3 to 4%, has dropped out of the race. However, the, he is still going to be on the ballot, but he has now thrown his support behind Blake Masters. This is good news for Blake. However, like I said, he's still on the ballot. However, if you were going to vote for him, why would you vote for him? You know, if you know he's not in the race anymore, he's now supporting Blake Masters. This can only help Blake Masters in what is going to be <clears throat> maybe the closest race of them all. Joe, what do you think? Okay, so this is this is the race right here. If if Masters wins, then that's where you're going to have for sure 5347 obviously, but you're going to have the 5446 or the 5545 start to break towards that. That it'll be a question whether how big is the 
is the red wave going to be in the Senate? Uh, when, when they had the debate, I liked what he said. Uh, they were trying to bait him into talking about election fraud. And, and he, his response was more about how big tech was guilty of election fraud by suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story that ended up being true. And I think that's when he got that, that latest, it was after that debate, he got that latest little push in the polls. So I'm going to go Masters here in the slimmest of margins. Hopefully we get a recount, actually, just, just to shut everyone up. Masters in the slimmest of margins. I, man, this is tough. Mark Victor was the guy's name. Libertarian, 2.7% as of October 18th in the polls. 3.5% still undecided. Maricopa County worries me, Joe, and I know it worries you, too. After what we saw in 2020 and in, in, uh, in, 20, in the primary this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you never know what's going to go on in Maricopa County. I think two things are in Blake Masters' favor. Number one, I think you're going to have a lot of folks come out to vote for Kerry Lake, and I think both of those are going to piggyback off each other. Number two, like I said, the Libertarian candidate dropping out of the race. Hopefully those people throw their support behind Blake Masters. This is this is razor, razor thin. Uh, I'm going to go Blake Masters. This wow. was one of the ones I was thinking of, of, of going, Mark Kelly. Because Mark Kelly, I think, is fairly popular in, in, in Arizona. But it seems like Masters has, has, the, uh, has, has the tailwinds here. Um, did you want, were you going to say something? No, I, 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 was surpri- I was surprised you took Masters. I, I mean, I thought I was yeah. going off on a little bit of a ledger. I, I would say, like, betting odds-wise, he has probably like a 40% chance of, of winning. So yeah. he is, he's definitely the underdog. <clears throat> I, I was going to go Mark Kelly up until I, I honestly was undecided until we just did that. So um, this race, I was told by our informant last night, is in play. And that is New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Who would have thought? Um, she is the incumbent, Maggie Hassan. Her approval ratings have fallen. Um especially among unaffiliated voters who make up a major chunk of the state's electorate right now. New Hampshire's voted Democrat in every presidential race since 2000, but it's still considered a purple state because they've recently elected a Republican senators and can do so again uh, Tuesday, according to CNBC. Um, Don Bolduc is the Republican candidate. He's a retired U.S. Army Brigadier General. This is close, and people say that you know, this is in play. Polls show that she has a sizable lead over Boldick, but I don't know. Anything's possible in this election. Joe, what do you think? <sighs> this, this, is, this is a tough one here. This is a tough one. Um, this gets us to 55, I think, if Boldick wins. Yes, and honestly, I was looking at, 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 at some in Washington State, too, that, or even Colorado, that could lean Republican. This would get us to 55, so I feel like I'm going to go – I'm going to go with the Don, Don uh, Bullock, and go mm-hmm. with him to win in the slightest of margins. All right. Again, I, I don't think there's any question if, if these candidates will be up on election night. It's what's going to happen after. Right. I will take Maggie Hassan, the Democratic incumbent. Um, so we'll, I'll differ with you there. Um, speaking of Colorado, I didn't list this one, um, but maybe we should. The Democrat, Michael Bennett, 47.6% polling as of two days ago ahead of his Republican challenger, Joe O'Day, only down by 1.5%. Uh, 
with 3% undecided in this race. Joe, 1.5%. I mean... Margin of error right there. Now, the the governor, Jared Polis, he is the incumbent governor. He's probably going to cruise the re-election. Does that mean Michael Bennett also wins as the Democrat? Um, This is another race to keep an eye on. Uh, So let's talk about Wisconsin. Ron Johnson versus Mandela Barnes. Ron Johnson's the, the Republican incumbent senator there in Wisconsin being challenged by Mandela Barnes. Ron Johnson's done a good job of painting Barnes as a radical liberal. Um, and apparently from what I've been reading up in Wisconsin, people just don't know who Mandela Barnes is. You know, they're comfortable with Ron Johnson. Uh, Joe, what do you think? I'm going to go with Ron Johnson. I, I don't I'd like to say Ron Johnson big, but get, give me my five and a half points. I agree. I think it'll be Ron Johnson as well. Um, <clears throat> winning re-election there in Wisconsin. Now, if we, if the Republicans take, we have how many races listed here? Seven. Now we have two of these seven are, three of these seven are by incumbent Republicans. If Republicans flip the other four, Joe, that means we go to... 54-46 in the Senate. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Because it's a 50-50 tie in the Senate right now. All right. Um, finally, Nevada. Adam Laxalt um, versus the incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto. Adam Laxalt coming down to the finish here. Very strong. He was last polling, according to Trafalgar, up 4.2%. As of October 27th, over Cortez Masto, only 2% undecided. Joe, what's your prediction? Uh, there's a couple that have this as a toss-up still, but uh, the, la- the last few weeks, you've just been running away with it. I, I, this is one where if you would have told me over the summer, I would have said, wow, if, if, if they can win that one, it is a red wave. And it looks like they are. The, Laxall is going to win this seat, and he's going to win it by a couple percentage points. So I'm going to go Laxall. Agree. Uh, Adam Laxall in that governor race we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, looks very favorable uh, as well. All right, so there's our predictions. Um, We agree on Oz in Pennsylvania, J.D. Vance in Ohio, Blake Masters in Arizona, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, Adam Laxalt in Nevada. Uh, You have Don Baldick in New Hampshire. I have Maggie Hassan. You have Herschel Walker in Georgia. I have uh, the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Okay, so again, we'll see how those play out. Um, I don't know which of these states do pre-canvas. I know, obviously, Pennsylvania does not. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think how many races we're going to know who wins on election night. Um, probably not Arizona. Definitely not Pennsylvania. Um, probably not Georgia. That Georgia race could go to a runoff, if, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Joe? They don't have 50% of the vote? Yeah, they got to get 50% or else it goes to a runoff. That happened in 2020, and that's how yeah. Uh, yeah, he won. Warnock. So if, if Warnock or Herschel Walker do not get 50% of the vote, that will be – another runoff election. Interesting. What do you think of runoffs, Joe? I don't know. I, I, I like the, they're good in a way because when you divide the vote, like just, just what happened with the libertarian party, when you, we have something like that, it kind of takes away from Blake masters a little bit because they have a lot of the same, not a lot of the same views, but some of the same views. Yeah. So I, I feel like it should be just a, a one versus one at the end. Mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with the idea of a runoff. I just, I don't understand why they wait so long. Yeah. 
Another race I want to I want to mention that we didn't talk about before. Do not forget to check in on Alaska. Kelly Shabaka is challenging the incumbent um, Lisa Murkowski. Now, if you can recall back, this is early on in our podcast. We talked about Alaska out of the primary. I think they take the top five vote getters and they put them in the general election. Doesn't matter. That's a, now that's a stupid system the way they do it. Though. Right. All five could be Republican. Yeah. So you're going to have two Republicans going against each other in a general election up in Alaska. Do not sleep on Kelly Shabaka up there. Um, That's who we want. Yes, Kelly Shabaka. first. We're a Kelly Shabaka podcast. All right. Let's talk about the House. Now, there's 435 members in the House of Representatives right now. As it stands, the makeup of the House, 220 Democrats, 212 Republicans, three seats vacant. I mean, this is all but a done deal that the Republicans are going to take back the House. We talked about this last episode. Our boy Jim Jordan is probably going to head to Judici- Judiciary Committee once they do that. And you're going to see <clears throat> all kinds of investigations into what in the hell has been going on over the last two years. Uh, Joe, what's your Repu- uh, prediction for the House? We're not going to go through House races, but there's, so, there's, just, there's, there's way too many, way too many. Um, well, like you said, I, I can almost guarantee, actually, I will guarantee that the GOP will have at least 220 seats or more when it's all said and done. But I want to go a little bit further in my prediction, uh, especially after what I heard earlier from you. I'm going to say they, my overall final number, 245 seats in 2022. That's a um, lot. That's, that's a lot. That's 33 seats they would pick up. You know, if they pick up 38, you have 250 Republicans in the House as opposed to 185 Democrats. That's a lot. Um, they could pick up 40. That would be incredible. Um, these Republicans are polling extremely well in like Biden plus 20 districts, like deep blue territory. Republicans are contesting these races and it's going to be close. This is nationwide. Uh, the race to look at here in Western Pennsylvania uh, is Jeremy Schaefer versus Chris uh, Delusion or, or Delusio, as his last name is. Um, that is the race to watch. They are competing for Connor Lamb's vacant seat. Uh, here, that district makes up uh, all of Beaver County, uh, portions of Western Allegheny County, Northern Allegheny County, and Southern Allegheny County up until uh, Pittsburgh. Even Summer Lee, uh, who's running in Pittsburgh, I told you this the other day. I mean, she's getting pushed from. You know, I think his name was Mike Doyle, the other Mike Doyle. Um, so that that would be deep, deep blue territory that they're putting in last minute ad buys in because they feel like she might be in jeopardy. So everything's in play, Joe. Everything is in play. All right. So we expect to take back the house uh, easily. All right. <clears throat> Gubernatorial races. How many Republicans will there be in 2023? Um, Joe, we, we've talked about this at length here in Pennsylvania. Go ahead with your prediction here. I have 33, but I want to go more now after you read all those polling. I, I'm going to go 35. I'm going to get crazy and say there's going to be 35 Republican governors in 2023. 35. That's a crazy prediction. That's, but That's a big number. That's very a big number, number to say only 15 states are going to have Democratic governors. Um, we know who the superstar is, and he's running for re-election. Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Uh, don't see any uh, problems there. 
So let's talk about some of these races that um, that we're looking at. Obviously, in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano versus Josh Shapiro. Joe, I thought of this last night. I thought to myself, are people hesitant to support publicly support Mastriano because of some of his, you know, quote unquote, extreme views on on certain things? I thought. Maybe that's why he's polling so low. But um, we saw him down 10 or 12 points in one poll not too long ago to Josh Shapiro. This poll just came out from Trafalgar today. Josh Shapiro only up 4.3%, 49.7 to 45.4 with 3% undecided. You might think, well, that's, you know, that's, that's too big of a number to overcome, but stranger things have happened. I honestly believe deep down, that people are not going to publicly support Mastriano until you get to the ballot box. That is when they're going to cast their vote for him. Almost like Trump in 2016. Joe, what do you think? That, that's a great point, and that's probably what it's going to be like. We, we don't have to be loud, and, and, and we have nothing. If We just got to show up and vote for Doug, and then that's all. We don't have to be loud. We don't have to say defend him and say he's not an anti-Semite because he makes a comment about Josh Shapiro's where, where his kids go to school. We're just not listening to the noise that's coming from the media on the left. We're just going to yeah. show up on election day. We're going to vote for Doug Mastriano. And then we're slowly going to return everything back to normal and how it was. We're not going to do with this crazy stuff from the schools, um, all these fascist rules that Tom Wolf and his administration had. It's just, we're done with it. We're going to elect someone that has a brain finally, and we're going to let him make the decisions. So... I pray Doug Mastriano wins this race only because I want to see the lib tears when he wins. The outcry from people. What does Josh Shapiro run on even? Fuck. (laughs) I think Shapiro's going to win. You think Mastriano's going to win? I think Shapiro wins, but it's going to be closer than anyone can possibly imagine. I think Shapiro wins by two percentage points. Um. Let's head over to Michigan. Tudor Dixon versus Gretchen Whitmer. Tudor Dixon surging in the polls lately. Only down by 1% the last poll we saw. Um, Joe, is Tudor Dixon going to pull out a victory here? I'm going to say, yeah, this, is, this has been like a horse race where she was, she was so far behind hanging with the pack, and then you had the Republican primary and she shot up, and then you had debates and she shot up further, and it looks like now it's neck and neck. How, how could you go against Tudor Dixon at this point, especially with, with how everything else is trending? If you're only down 1%, that means she's probably up, which means she's probably going to win by a point or two. Uh, I, it's, I Whitmer. Agree. it's Whitmer. It's Whitmer. It's literally one of the worst governors in the country behind like Tom Wolf and Como. And it's one of the worst. I think Whitmer wins again by razor thin margins. Um, I, I, something about Michigan doesn't smell right to me. Um, I think Tudor Dixon, I, I, this is going to be really, really close. Very, very close. Um, I, 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 it's just, she's the incumbent. I just feel like she's going to win, but very by a very narrow margin. I hope I'm wrong. All right. Uh, we're a Carrie Lake podcast, and we don't see Carrie Lake losing to Katie Hobbs in Arizona. Do we, Joe? No, I think the bigger question is, will Hobbs make a concession speech? <laughs> You haven't yeah. seen her. Where's she been? I mean, we freaking love Carrie Lake. Everything about her. 
She is an absolute pit bull out there. And if people in Arizona don't elect her as their governor, they are making a massive, massive mistake. Um, so I think Carrie Lake wins. We both think Carrie Lake wins in Arizona. I think it'll be by five, four or five points at least. Uh, the race that everyone is pretty much watching throughout the country now, Joe, especially here in the East, the incumbent looking like the Wicked Witch of the West, Kathy Hochul, against surging Republican, our boy Lee Zeldin. Joe? Jewish anti-Semite Lee Zeldin, you mean? Because yeah. he was accused of being an anti-Semite last week. Uh, but here, here's the deal. No one voted for Hochul, ever. She was just, she walked in that position when, when, when Andrew Cuomo left. Yep. So I kind of give this this race to Zeldin. And, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but there's going to be a Republican governor of New York. And if you would have told me this over the summer, I, we talked about it. We, we knew it was going to be close. Never. Did I, I think he's, I think it's already over. I think he's already won. The way Bannon's war room talks about it, it's, He's up by a couple percentage points. And that's with New York City and everything else. Well, um, but don't forget, George Pataki was the governor of New York up until 2006, and he was Republican. So it wasn't that long ago. You know, a lot's changed in those 14, 15 years. A lot's years. changed. A lot's changed. All he needs is like 20% of New York City to vote for elite, to vote for him. And he wins. I mean... Talk about a deep red state outside of New York in Buffalo. I mean, 20%. Give me 20% of New York City to vote for Lee Zeldin. If you, are, if you live in New York City, how could you vote for Kathy Hochul? I mean, they say, and I haven't been there recently, so I don't know. Crime's up. The subway isn't even safe anymore. I mean, the city's in, in, in a complete disaster. I mean... Lee Zeldin has to be the pick there. And I, and I agree, Lee Zeldin wins in New York as governor. Kathy Hochul, like you said, no one ever voted for her. All right, is she really an incumbent? So let's go with Lee Zeldin there. Uh, Oregon, the Republican candidate, Christine Drazen, versus the Democrat, Tina Kotek. Joe, any opinion on this one? I'm going with freaking Drazen. She's... There, there's polls here that, that have this neck and neck, and this is Oregon. Oregon. You, think of, you think of this as like the, a, a liberal stronghold, not even like just far left. So I, I don't know. If I'm going by the polls, this is a coin flip. So I'm going to take the underdog, obviously. I feel like you get a good value here. Jirazin was up, the last poll in Trafalgar, up 1.3% over Kotek. She was up now. Well, that was the last. That was the last poll from survey from uh, ended uh, October eighteenth, October twenty second. So that's pretty recent. You would have to think since then Republicans are are only picking up steam in these in these races. I mean, you'd have to think that. Um, there is another candidate, Betsy Johnson. It says NP, no party. I'm not sure. Uh, polling at thirteen point two percent, with four percent undecided in Oregon. I'll go Drazen. I'll go Drazen, too. We'll both go Drazen. A Republican governor in Oregon, think about it. I mean, we see what goes on in Portland. I mean, it's like a freaking third world city, if that. All right, 
<clears throat> Wisconsin. Um, Tim Michaels versus Tony Evers. Tim Michaels is the GOP candidate. Tony Evers, the Democrat. Joe. Okay. This uh, Tony Evers, he's an incumbent, isn't he? I believe so. Uh, this is where it would be hard in any other election year. I would probably take Evers. But give me the Republican just off the national polls. And it sounds like I'm just shilling for this Republican Party. But this is a to- 270 to win. The website has this as a toss up. A toss up. Wow. When incumbents are performing this badly, it's got to be in its name. You can't tell me. So, again, give me the underdog. If he even is an underdog anymore. Give me, huh? give me my all right, I will take uh, I will take Evers. Again, not sure about Wisconsin. Again, something doesn't smell right up there, as we saw in the last election. So I'll take Evers. Uh, Nevada, the GOP candidate Joe Lombardo versus the incumbent Steve Sisolak. Joe, everything, all signs point to Lombardo here. Yeah, I can't. Who would have thought this would be an easy pick? And how many points? Last poll, three, four, two, three point points. Try 6.8. 6.8? Yep. As of October 27th. Oh, yeah, that's right, because 53.47 or whatever it would be. Okay, but yes, it's amazing. How can you go against Lombardo? Incumbents just are not performing well. What's that? Yep. That's what I say about the national race when incumbents are performing like this. I'll take Lombardo as well. I think that's an easy pick. So um, <clears throat> those were our predictions. Um, for Tuesday night, uh, I should say next week or the week after, who knows? Um, so we'll see how all things shake out, guys. I mean, this is going to be, you know, Joe, I was thinking, you know, I used to hear this saying a lot, the hay is in the barn, all right? The hay is in the barn. All we need to do now, show up to the polls Tuesday, get your ass to your polling station, wherever you're supposed to vote, cast your ballot, okay? If we do that, we take care of business. We take care of business. Uh, any last thoughts there, Joe, on, 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 on predictions? No, no. This is – these are our predictions. This is the time yeah, to vote. Okay. This is how it should be. This is how it should iron out. The polls are telling us this. I looked into this a lot. I mean, all these races are all lean right. There's a few that are right down the center, but those are in traditional blue states or purple states. This is shaping up like a red tsunami, more than a red wave, Yep, in my opinion. And for those listening out there, I know we have a lot of listeners in different states, not just Pennsylvania. We're in over like 20 different states, different countries. For those of you listening, you have to ask yourself, why are Republicans surging in the polls right now? Why are people supporting Republicans as we get closer to Election Day? Ask yourself that question. All right, Joe. Um. John Fetterman can't let an episode slip by without talking about Fetterstein. Okay, so we wrap up here quickly. <laughs> yes, this this is like his last campaign event. I think this was this was yesterday or two days ago. Him talking about football at a campaign event. Summer of nineteen eighty six. I uh, Interest to have me come play here 
okay, I, this that, that's what you're gonna vote. That's what you're gonna get. Keep fucking around, and don't show up to vote on Tuesday. That's what you'll have making your decisions for you and for your the next six years. <laughs> we could go honestly. I don't even want to just for our listeners. Just Google John Fetterman Mean Joe Green ad or commercial, and just watch it for yourself. He, he did a parody of the the Mean Joe Green with the kid with the tossing him a coke or handing him a coke, and he tosses the jersey. Except he tosses him like a Fetterman sign. It's very very cringe. And Fetterman was on the View. We're we're gonna spare you. He doesn't make any sense. It's like an eight minute video. We'll spare you guys. Um, Grander, do you want to get into Paul Pelosi's latest well, and then just move well, on? Why don't you, 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 did you see the big endorsement, Joe? No. Oprah Winfrey endorsed John Fetterman. We're Oprah Winfrey. Wow. Oprah Winfrey. Isn't that going to make you want to vote for John Fetterman even more? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You, you get a Senator with brain damage and you get a Senator with brain damage and you get a Senator with brain damage. Yeah. Cool. Oh, my Lord. Are, are, are you going to talk about Fetterman here, about uh, if he gets elected? Well, I, 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 already, I, I already touched on that. You're not going to – you won't see him. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be gone with the win. They'll never air him on TV because they can't. So either he'll step down for health reasons. We'll never get to enjoy him. We'll never get to enjoy the shit show that he really is. So, yeah. um, All right. As we wrap up here, we want to touch on this Paul Pelosi story again. <sighs> The more I think about this, the more this just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, well, let's think about the let's think about the facts. What we know, we know that Paul Pelosi, according to what we've been told, went into a bathroom to call nine one one where there was a phone, and he was in his underwear, and he described David. De Pepe Le Pew as his friend David. Why would he do that? <laughs> Again, I'll play devil's advocate and say he was being held hostage and said, oh yeah, this is my friend here to try to keep the guy calm. But it doesn't add up at all. Still. Doesn't add up. Um, second, you, you mentioned this before. Why did the police let him hit Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer while they were there. You're telling me you can't apprehend this guy or shoot him dead or tase him or tackle tase him? him. You're just going to let him hit Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. You got to pull the hammer back to swing it. You're not going to confront this guy. You're in the house with him. You are a police officer. This guy wasn't like he was some like uh, jacked bodybuilder kidding me this just doesn't make sense i don't want to go conspiracy land but you have to think to yourself there has to be something more to the story what are they covering up what are they trying to hide why can't we hear the 911 call why can't we see the body cam footage from the police i don't know it doesn't make any sense what do you have from the today show okay so the today show had a video up a tweet up, it was on the website, and it was a three-minute video, and for some reason, they deleted it. And Steve Krakauer, at Steve Crack on Twitter, was the one that first brought this to my attention. But I'll play the video that, that played, I guess, 
on the Today Show, and then they deleted it for some reason. Craig, good morning. When officers arrived here at the Pelosi home exactly a week ago today, they initially didn't have any idea exactly what was going on. They knew they had a high-priority call on their hand. What was unclear, what was happening inside the property just behind me. This morning, Paul Pelosi is home, back at the house that became a crime scene a week ago today. NBC News learning new details about the moments police arrived. Sources familiar with what unfolded in the Pelosi residence now revealing when officers responded to the high-priority call, they were seemingly unaware they'd been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or try to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. It's a... What? What? If the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said everything's good. But instantaneously, a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. After tackling the suspect, officers rushed to Mr. Pelosi, who was lying in a pool of blood. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. Okay. What? It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest story ever. The fact that he would walk back towards the person with a hammer and not run out the door, or while the police wouldn't say, "Sir, get behind us," or while the Capitol Police watching the cameras decided, "Hey, it's a good time for our lunch break." So, the tweet says, "Paul," like the video says, "Paul Pelosi opened the door for cops, did not flee or declare emergency." walked back to the attacker of the house, then was attacked. What? It's, it's, and, it, and, and, and it says here that NBC News has scrubbed it from their website because it, quote-unquote, did not meet their, quote-unquote, reporting standards. What? <sighs> Somebody needs to get to the bottom of this. I wonder if Pelosi called up and said, you know what, you better delete that video if you know it was good for you. Oh, for sure. Someone someone did. For them to delete the video, and then you scroll down, and it's gone from the website, too. It says, we apologize. This video has expired. Oh, my God. It, 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 it proves us right. Not that he was off having some kind of weird man-on-man stuff, but that there's more to the story than we're being told. And for some reason, we can't ask. We can't wonder what's going on, or we can't ask questions. We're just told it's political violence. It's coming from the right, right before an election, and vote the opposite way because of that. It's criminal. Speaking of, speaking of the View, I know you mentioned the View earlier. What about what about what's her name, Sonny Hostin, on the View, saying that white suburban women voting for Republicans is like ants voting for Raid. I mean, 
you talk about people that are just extremely dense and, and mindless. Wow. Yep. Tommy Laren. On Sunday, we change our clocks. On Tuesday, we change our government. Red wave. Here we come. Lee Zeldin. Yeah, Lee Zeldin said something along the same things. Same lines. Attention, New Yorkers. Don't forget to change your clocks this Sunday and your governor this Tuesday. Let's go, Lee. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, that's our show. Uh, it's going to be a day to remember Tuesday. One way or another. Um, we got to come out on top here, guys. I mean, got to show up to vote and we got to pray everything else goes our way on Tuesday. This is about the future. Remember, voting is an opportunity for change. You have to show up. You have to vote, especially in person, because we don't know how bad it's going to get if we keep on going down this road. Look, it's it's our money, and it's being wasted by being sent to Ukraine and laundered away. So, don't you have to go vote? If you if you don't vote, you're just you're giving up your voice. I, I just don't understand how, how someone could just not care and not vote. So elections have consequences. Every single vote is going to matter. Do not, do not blow this. We have to take advantage of this now. Every vote counts. You have to vote on election day. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. All I'm going to tell you is what's going on, why things are the way they are, who is to blame. And I'm not going to lie, Democrats and Republicans are both to blame, but we cannot, we cannot have these people that do not have our best, our country's best interest. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to take us out uh, with, uh, I'm going to play a little different theme song as we take, uh, we uh, end the episode, Joe. And uh, I think, you know, you'll know why when you hear the song. Okay. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday guys. Uh, Let's go red team. And pay attention. Don't let them get away with anything. Watch eyes open. Chin out, chest up guys. We got this.